Good evening. Once again, it is a great pleasure to be with you and to be able to uh, sing with you and pray with you and now study with, with you for a few minutes. Um, very thankful that, that you're here. Hope the afternoon has, has been pleasant, has been a good one. A couple of things that I'd like to say before we get uh, into uh, the lesson tonight. Uh, first of all, I wanted to, to share that uh, we have great news that uh, Steve and Judy have been back with us. Uh, saw, didn't see Steve until after services this morning, and uh, you know he's been through such a, a long road. What a blessing that, uh, that they are back here today and I get to see them and be with them and worship with them. Uh, that's, a, that's a great, great blessing. So we're thankful that, uh, that y'all are here and, and doing better and just pray that uh, things continue to go well. Uh, what a blessing. The other thing I wanted to say before we got started was to remind you, I know Mark in his closing remarks today was uh, talking about the fact that uh, the meeting with Steve is coming up on September 10th, and there's going to be things that are mailed out across the county. We're looking forward to that, to sharing the message, getting the message out that, uh, that he's coming and that the meeting is going to be uh, here before you know it. But there's also some uh, flyers at the exits. There's a few here. There's a handful, not many Kind of like, you know, better hurry and get one if you want one because they're going quickly. Uh, to pick one up and then you can directly, personally, with the, that gleam in your eye and that smile on your face, you can hand one to somebody and invite them. Uh, but also, uh, we have these, um, you know, you've seen the House to House publications. They've been around a long, long time. And we're doing like a special issue because on the back, it advertises the meeting. Uh, and there's just a handful of these downstairs. We're going to send those out to everybody too, but for right now, there's a handful down by the exit. You can go pick one up just like this. You got somebody in mind, march right up to them and say, come be with us. We want to see you on these days. Uh, and so it's just another opportunity to uh, personalize and invite people to come and be with us uh, on that day. So take advantage of these things that have been uh, made available to us. We're thankful for it, thankful that uh, the elders have seen fit to um, incorporate talented people to use their creative abilities that God's blessed them with to make uh, beautiful, enticing artwork and these things to bring people in. They're, that's a good thing. We're thankful for that. So let's use them. Okay. What I want us to think through tonight for just a few minutes has to do with embracing and accepting the will of God. So many struggle with the will of God. Now, and that really, I would break it up into two big categories, if you will. Some struggle with figuring out what God wants with them in the first place. You know, what is God's will? I'm, I'm wrestling with that. I'm baffled with that. What's God's will for me? What's God's plan for me? On the other hand, some don't struggle really with understanding God's will. They struggle with accepting God's will. And I think this is probably the majority of us. The majority of us that are in this place tonight, there's still going to be a lot of us that do at various times. We'll go through seasons in life where we're really saying, I don't get it, God. Why? But most of the time, more of us will be in that place where we say, whether it's you know, really upfront or not, we'll say, I get it, but that's hard. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I want to go through with it. 
Supposedly, let me give you an example. Supposedly, and you know how these, these quotes go. Sometimes they can't be traced down exactly. But supposedly, Mark Twain said something along the lines of this. Some people are troubled by the things in the Bible they can't understand. They can't understand. The things that trouble me, though, are the things I can understand. So you see, the point that it's not whether Twain actually said that or not, the point of that statement, which I think is a, it's a pretty good statement, it's that sometimes it's really difficult to embrace the will of God. It's as if, you know, look, I see it. Man, right there it is in black and white. I see what you want, God. I see the directive. I see the command. But I'm having trouble embracing it. I'm having trouble accepting it. We might spend, you know, here's the two, here's the two categories on the one side. You know, something thinking about, boy, I can spend a lot of time thinking about all the finer points of the Trinity. How does that work? Or I could be over here and I could think, you know, it's a clear command that God has given us in places like Matthew 5 that we are to love our enemies and we're to forgive those that hurt us. And so I can read that on the page and see how clear it is, see how black and white, how crystal clear it is. God says, love your enemies, pray for those who use you, and he says, forgive those who've wronged you. And that's where we say, but that's hard. Listen to what the Bible says in Luke 17. Because I'm going to read this passage. You're going to look at it. Luke 17, we're going to start reading at verse 3. And here's the deal when it comes to the will of God. This isn't going to be one of those passages where we close the book and we say, well, I just have no idea what God meant in that place. This is going to be one of those cases where we say, I know exactly what God meant, but I need help accepting it. I need help doing it. I need help carrying it through. Read with me, Luke 17 at verse 3. If your brother sins, rebuke him. Okay, that's clear. If he repents, forgive him. Okay, that's, I get all those words. I understand all those things. My brother sins, I'm to that's a sin, that can't be, I cannot tolerate that, the Lord won't abide by that. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you, listen to this, here's where it gets really hard. The, the words don't get harder. If he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. They see, this is what I'm talking about. The Lord's will is clear. What we will have trouble with is embracing it and accepting it. Because what we want to start doing is, is rationalizing. What we want to start doing is making the yeah, but argument. And we know how serious this is. As it says in Matthew 18, 35, in a end of a paragraph, an end of a, a passage talking about where Jesus illustrates so powerfully about the, the concept of forgiving debts. In Matthew 18, 35, he concludes it by saying this, so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you, summary, he'll punish you if you don't forgive your brother from your heart. So you see, we, we get those things, we understand those things. So we're not necessarily in this point talking about things that are grand and high and holy, like there were times that the psalmist would say, some things about you are just, just too high for me to see and understand. Well, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about things that are low, down, dirty, clear, but hard. Here's the struggle with embracing God's will. It's not anything new. We go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, 
the Garden of Eden. Maybe you'll turn there with me to the opening, opening pages of, of God's Word in Genesis 3. There's a selfish desire that's going to cloud the reasoning of Adam and Eve. What's going to happen here is they're going to know the will of God, very clearly know that God has told them, here's what you're going to do. You're going to multiply and fill the earth. You're going to tend the garden. You're going to work here. So there's a, there's a couple of ideas, a couple of directives. Fill the earth. Work this garden. But then he also says this. Don't eat from this particular tree. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from that tree. All the other beautiful, perfect, wonderful things in this garden, it's all yours. Your role, fulfill the earth, tend the garden, do all those things. Just stay away from this tree. So the will of God is easy to understand. The will of God is clear. But what happens is they have this selfish desire that starts clouding their reasoning. Let's just read Genesis 3, starting at verse 2. The woman says to the serpent, we may eat of any, or excuse me, we may eat the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree, and listen to this, here's where things change, right? She, her perspective has changed. The directive still just as clear. Don't eat from the tree. But verse nine, or ver, excuse me, verse six says, she saw that the tree was good for food. So are lots of other trees there. She saw that it was a delight to the eyes. So were lots of other trees there. She saw the tree was to be desired to make one wise. Her selfishness her selfish desires took over. It wasn't the Lord's plan all of a sudden became murky. It wasn't the Lord's will all of a sudden became unclear. It's that her selfish desire took over. And so it says, she took of its fruit and she ate, and she gave some to her husband also who ate with her, or who was with her, and he ate. The eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Here's a summary statement of, of what Adam and Eve said. I know God's will. I know God's will, but I don't like God's will. I think if I go outside God's will, I'll be happier. I think that if I do something other than what God's called me to, I'll be more fulfilled. I think that if I do something other than what God has demanded, if I go beyond his bounds, that's where I'll find happiness. That's where I'll find satisfaction. Clearly, that's not the answer. Let me, let me give you another category because that one is the one of, I understand it, I clearly understand it, but I don't want to do it. Let's go to the other side. Let's go to the side of talking about um, maybe not understanding God's will, struggling with really seeing and knowing and understanding what it is that he wants. Go to the book of Job. I think this is a, a great place to investigate what it is to struggle with the will of God. Just go to Job 3. Here's going to be just one example of the many things we could spend. You know, Job's a long, long book, and we could look at a lot of different things, see subtle nuances and specific questions that he asks, but 
Just look in chapter 3. We'll look at three questions that Job asks where he's struggling with, with what it is that God wants and what it is that God's trying to do. Because we know, we'll recap, you know it well. In the first couple of chapters of Job, you know what's happened. He's lost all his property, he's lost his children, and he's lost his own health. So here he sits in misery, both misery of body, misery of mind, misery of soul. His heart's broken because his dear children that he treasures, they, they've been destroyed. He went from being a rich man to a poor man, went from being a healthy man to being a sick man. All of those things in the span of the blink of an eye. And so look at Job 3, verse 11 and 12. Here's the first question. Why did I not die at birth? Come out from the womb and expire. Why did the knees receive me or why the breasts that I should nurse? Here's what he's saying. Why was I even born? He's, he's in such a place of struggle, such a place of misery. Life is so hard right now. He's saying, I just wish life had never actually even started. Why was I even born, Lord? Go down a few verses, verse 20. Verse 20, he says, Why is light given to him who's in misery and life to the bitter in soul, who long for death but it comes not and dig for it more than for hidden treasures? I'm desperate for something he says in verse 22, who rejoice exceedingly and are glad, glad when they find the grave. Here's a guy that's basically asking this question. Why, God? You tell me, give me one reason. Why should I even go on? Why should I go on? He's reached a point where he's saying, why is there continued light for the one who's miserable? Just flip it off, turn it off. Why should I go on? Last one. Verse 23, why is light given to a man whose way is hidden, whom God has hedged in? For my sight comes instead of my bread, my sighing comes instead of my bread, my groanings are poured out like water, for the thing that I fear comes upon me, and what I dread befills me, befalls me, I need my glasses. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, but trouble comes. As I see it and as I understand it, this is the question he asks right here. This is a simple question. Why is there no way out? Why am I hedged in in this spot with no way out, God? Why, why was I born? God, give me one reason. Why should I go on? Why is there no way out of this? Why can I not find the, the exit from this pain? God, tell me why. Now, don't you wish that we could go over a few pages? I could tell you, turn over to chapter 39 or 40 and find God's succinct answer to why all this is going on. But you know, you've read the book of Job, you know that that's not the way that it works. Unfortunately, God doesn't give some little conventional answer to Job here. But what he does is he, God emphasizes his eternal nature. God emphasizes his matchless power. Go over to Job 38. Because for the one who can't go on, for the one who has questions about, about why they're here, God does have an answer. 
It's not something little specific and general to, to us right here, right now. It's not like saying, well, Scott, here's the reason why. Well, Paul, here's the reason why. Here's what you need to see and think of next. When that person is saying, God, why should I go on? When that person's saying, God, where's the way out? God thunders that simply this, the answer is me. I'm the one with power. I'm the one who's always been here. I'm the one who always will be here. I'm the one who can deliver from the ugliest depths of darkness. I am the answer. And you, in any spot, in any place, in any circumstance, you must tremble before me. This is what God says, Job 38, starting at verse 2. Who is it that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? So dress for action like a man and i'll question you and make it you can make it known to me so god says i'm going to start asking the questions now these are questions that job can't answer listen to this in verse four where were you when i laid the foundation of the earth tell me if you have understanding who determined its measurements surely you know who stretched the line upon it on what were its bases sunk or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of god shouted for joy He's emphasizing his eternal nature. I've always been, I always will be, and I have matchless power. I spoke this world into existence. I set it here just like that it is. I'm the one who made it. He'll go on in chapter 38. Look at verse 16. Chapter 38 is incredible of all the different things that God says about the creation. But this one here in verse 16 through 18 stands out to me. He says, have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Have you seen the, the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare if you know all of this. Have you ever been on a boat somewhere and you got far enough from the shore that in any direction that you looked, you couldn't see the shore? That just wherever you were, all you saw was just water and sort of the you know the horizon the circle of the earth there's all you all you see in any direction it's a weird feeling makes you feel so small makes you feel so tiny when you get out from the shore and you can't see it anymore you start to feel sort of uneasy and god says in the book of isaiah he says i hold all the world's water in the palm of my hand in other words it's nothing to me the places that you feel like are so deep and so wide and so crazy and so mind-blowingly huge, to me it's nothing. He's emphasizing his, his limitless size. He's emphasizing his omnipresence, how he sees all things at all times and in all places. And so what this is going to do, it's going to change Job's perspective. Look at Job 42. Job 42. Start at verse 1 with me. When God has emphasized his matchless power, when God has emphasized his infinite size, Job answers the Lord and says, I know that you can do all things, and no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I've uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I didn't know. Here... And I will speak, 
I will question you and you'll make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. So once you perceive and come to understand and start to glimpse the glory and immensity of God, this is what happens. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. In seeing the Lord's greatness and power, Job is humble to the point of repentance. He's changed from, why is there no way out? He's changed from, why can't I just have never been born? To now recognizing, I fall before you. I worship you. I need to be lifted up and restored and made whole by you, God, the matchless one. It changed the way he saw everything. One more example, maybe we could do a couple of more, but let's, let's go and look at Jesus. Of course, the, the ultimate example to be emulated in every kind of circumstance, but even when it comes to accepting and embracing the will of God, go to Matthew 26 and Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know this passage. You know that Jesus has just instituted the Lord's Supper. He and his disciples have left that upper room and they've made their way across into the garden. And Jesus is going to begin praying. Read with me, beginning at verse 36. So Matthew 26, verse 36. As we read here in Matthew 26, 36, I really want you to focus on when we get down to about verse 39, what Jesus says in the prayer. So Jesus went with him to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to the disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and he prayed saying, my father, if it be possible, so he's going to make his request be known. Here's my request, Father. Let this cup pass from me. Don't make me go through with this. Let this pass. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping. And so he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for a second time, he went away and he prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Again, he came and found them sleeping. Their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. So here's what happens, and you know it. Jesus voices his desire with passion. Jesus voices his desire with clarity. And the, the desire is to not have to go through these difficult things, to let this cup pass from me. He wants it to pass. He doesn't want to have to go through with it. It's going to be hard. It's going to be a weight like he's never experienced before. That's my desire. But notice that's not where the prayer ends. He also resolved to embrace the will of the Father. 
Whatever the Father deemed necessary, Jesus would faithfully follow. Let me say that one more time. Whatever the Father deemed necessary, Jesus would faithfully follow. So may we emulate Jesus to Christ. May we also pray, Father, you know, this is my heart's current position, but help me to embrace and appreciate your will. See, that would encompass either one of those scenarios. If I am in the place of I'm struggling like Job with even understanding what you want. Or if you're in the place where, like Mark Twain, I know what God wants, but man, that's hard to do. If we pray like this, like Jesus did, and we say, Father, this is my heart's current position. This is my heart's current desire. This is where I am now. But what I'm pleading with you for is for you to help me know and appreciate and embrace and live out your will. It reminds me of what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 51, verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Change my heart. Make it beautiful to you, God. Make it like it ought to be, God. Help my will be your will. Help me to see, know, and love, and embrace your will, God. There's going to be times when we know just absolutely clearly and certainly we know what god wants and we're going to have to say lord help me do it there'll be other times where we'll say lord i'm struggling with what it is that you're calling me to help me understand it so sometimes we won't understand god's will maybe but and we must ask for wisdom ask for patience and trust him sometimes we'll understand his will but we won't like it like adam and eve like those, the disciples that came to Jesus and said, you know, should we only forgive like three times or, you know, maybe seven times or the Lord said 70 times seven. So sometimes we'll understand his will, but we won't like it. We're to ask for strength and wisdom to embrace it and accept it. May the Lord help us. May we all pray, Lord, cleanse and change my heart. Make it beautiful in your eyes. Help me to embrace and live your will. If there's any way that we can encourage you or help you on your path of seeking to embrace the will of God, we can pray with you, study with you, whatever it might be. If you've never obeyed the gospel, I want you to know this right now. The will of God for you is that you repent of your sins and be washed in the blood of the Lamb, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. That's the will of God for you. But if you've fallen away from being faithful to the Lord, the will of God for you is that you come home. His will is that you walk with Him in the light once again. And if there's any way we can help you do that, we ask you to come while we stand and sing.